Welcome to the Titan Sized Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Sized Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. Your Tennessee Titans got curb stomped on Thursday night by the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we don't really feel like talking about it all that much. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about it. And, you know, a lot of people hated Skycam. Some people liked it. But the one thing that Skycam certainly did, and you can't deny this, it exposed DeMarco Murray and the fact that he kind of sucks now. Uh, yeah. Uh, putting it pretty uh, pretty bluntly there, and I don't think I could really say anything uh, on the other side of that. DeMarco Murray was terrible in this game. Uh, he hasn't been very good all season. Uh, and on Skycam, you kind of saw some of why he's – uh, he hasn't been good. He missed a bunch of holes. Uh, at times, he was just running into his his lineman for no reason. I don't. I don't know if he maybe he's colorblind and he thought his linemen were uh, on the other on the other side. I don't. I don't know exactly what happened, but that was uh, that was one of the worst uh, <laughs> games I've watched as a Titans fan in a while. Just just because we were so so hyped, you know. Um, since it was a primetime game uh, against an AFC powerhouse, we thought the Titans would come come out and show up and, and really uh, give a good effort. Um, and they did for, like, a couple minutes, maybe, maybe almost a half, really. Dude, the but first drive, it, it both, the, the, the Titans' first defensive drive ended with a bomb yeah, to Antonio yeah. Brown, and their first offensive drive was a yeah. bad interception. Yeah, that that was not not a great start, <laughs> but um, they kind of rallied a little bit after that. The defense started playing not so poorly, and then it just unraveled, mm-hmm. unraveled over the last three minutes of the first half, and then in the second half. So that sucked. Nah, I don't really have anything more to say about it. We've been pretty honest with y'all about uh, the rise of Derrick Henry not coming right now, and I still stand by all that. I'm not ready to anoint him the next great running back or anything like that. But at this point, when you watch the way Murray plays on first and second down, you just can't justify him being your starting running back. I've got no problem with him as the third down guy. He whiffed on a a pass protection, which was really – they got Mariota, you know, just – I mean, as rocked as he usually gets with his escape ability. And it was a bad job by him. But other than that one misstep, he usually does pretty well, you know, blocking and releasing into the passing lanes and getting – open for little dump offs that he can usually turn into bigger gains but you know at this point in the season with this semi you know long week where you're coming off a Thursday night game I would really think about playing Henry the majority of the snaps and finding a spot for Murray on kind of that third running a third down running back kind of role mm-hmm. yeah I'm with you I said it I tweeted it from the Titans as a counter in the game um, well, my first tweet was that DeMarco uh, would probably run like a 4940 if he ran it. Which is uh, right totally now. accurate. Yeah, I, dude, he looks really slow. But um, he's still a good pass catcher, still a good pass protector. So um, I definitely think he should be playing on third downs and at least um, in passing situations. But I think you've got to let Derrick Henry handle the early download right now because, I mean, DeMarco Murray's runs on first and second down are, are killing us. They're killing the offense right now. You can't keep playing from a third and long every, pretty mm-hmm. much every every series. It's yeah. not not efficient, not uh, ideal. So, Will, you said this during the game that you thought uh, Dory Jackson showed that he is now a top five player on the Titans in terms of like importance. Do, like I, I was telling someone today, it's sad that the Titans' best running back is their starting corner. Um, 
<laughs> Adoree Jackson, no, we weren't exactly the biggest fans of that draft pick, but John Robinson is proving us wrong because he is a stud cornerback. And finally, now that we got, instead of Connor Rogers, we got like Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth talking about it, they were saying the same thing. Like, Adoree mm-hmm. Jackson, he's never going to be like what Marshawn Lattimore can be in that traveler, shut-down cornerback, but he can lock down one side like with the best of them eventually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, like, when I said top five, I didn't even mean, like, top five in terms of importance. I mean, I think he's a top five player in this team. I mean, I think you can argue uh, Bayard, Lewan, uh, you know, and that those are really the only guys that are just clear-cut ahead of him right now. You know, Mariota is more important to the team. I mean, Mariota is the most important player to this team because we've seen what Castle looks like, and... That's that's what importance, you know, he's the most valuable player on this team. But in terms of how he's playing the position, I mean, he's contesting every deep pass. You know, he's a good run defender. And every explosive play we have on offense that isn't a pass to Rashard Matthews seems to be around a Dory Jackson or a fake to a Dory Jackson. You know, he's given the offense a dimension of explosion that it didn't have for the first eight games of the season. And he's a rookie. I mean, he's still learning how to play defense, and he's getting better every week. And that's saying something because by the end of the year, if he keeps playing like he's playing, he should deserve a Pro Bowl spot. But, you know, he reminds me a lot of Kevin Byard in his first year where he's in position all the time to make really good plays, whether it's run down or passing down. He's just not getting the turnovers yet. But I trust those will come. But, no, I mean, Adoree Jackson is just – there's no way you can't be impressed. And – like Luke said, like we're gonna be honest, we did not like him, you know, coming out. Like I know Matias liked uh, Trey Tredavious White, and I mm-hmm. was a fan of Gary and Conley. You know, we we each had our guy that we would rather rather them take. And Tredavious White's been good. Conley has been hurt, so you know, we're not necessarily all the way wrong yet. But right now, Dory has looked a lot better than we thought he would. Yeah. He he's been great, uh, and he's improved. He keeps improving every single week. Um, and this was, I mean, this was his toughest task yet. I mean, he went up against Antonio Brown almost the whole game. Uh, Antonio Brown went off, but he didn't really do that much damage against Adoree. I didn't think at least um, that long. The long touchdown on the first drive was against Lashawn Sims, uh, and then I think Logan Ryan gave up another one to to Antonio. Uh, I'm not sure which one Adoree gave up. What's the Adore was the last one on Adori? Yeah, where he had it off the side of his helmet, which at that point, you really I just, mean, you yeah. just got to say Antonio Brown's an all-pro and get over it. That, that was an absurd catch. There, there's nothing you can do about that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he was targeted 13 times in this game, which is a crazy amount. Uh, gave up 10 catches, but only for 97 yards. He really he doesn't get burned. Uh, um and whenever uh, it looks like a receiver has a step on him on on a deep route, uh, he's done this a couple times over the past couple weeks, where um, he just finds the ball at the very last possible second, uh, and he just swats it away. Um, and that's a sign of a really good cornerback because, uh, as we know, I mean, we've seen Lashawn Sims; he cannot track the ball in the air. He can't look uh, at all, at all, at all. Like, and you if see if, if he was put back on punt return. He would like be standing on the wrong side of the field and wave fair catch, and then be surprised when it didn't hit his chest. Yeah, it's a, it. It kind of looks like one of those uh, like baseball infielders um, when they're trying to locate a pop up in the sun. 
mm-hmm. uh, and they have no idea where it's going. Like, that is LaShawn like, oh, Sims covering a deep ball. Yeah, uh, and it sucks because he usually has pretty sticky coverage on players, but he just can't do it. But yeah, it's it just he just like he has to play. You know, I thought Adoree would have to play in that kind of scheme where he has to always has, always have his eyes on the quarterback. But the more it looks like, uh, more the more I look at it, the more it looks like LaShawn Sims falls into that category. Um, if you go by ESPN stats, Adoree Jackson has eleven pass breakups already uh, since two thousand thirteen. Only. Uh, Ultron Burner, who went to the Pro Bowl that year, and Jason McCourty last year have had more in a whole season than Adoree has right now. So, you know, it, it's not that he looks good with what's around him. He looks good with what we've seen over the past, you know, four or five years. Yeah. It's it's finally nice to just have some good cornerbacks again because Logan Ryan's been good too. So that's a nice – Logan Ryan and Adoree Jackson going forward is, is something definitely to – to build around um and i mean well we we have to keep uh keep improving the secondary because lashawn sims is kind of like a i think he's more of a fourth cornerback than he is a, a starting one um and D- jonathan cyprian hasn't been very good so uh we'll, we'll see what happens going forward and I don't, I don't know how much we'll touch on this in this episode but we've said it all season the pass rush for the titans is lacking an element there's no hmm. speed rusher there's nobody to really get back there and disrupt things and with LeBeau insisting on Arakpo dropping out in coverage a lot, uh, it, you know these Titans corners are doing this with essentially you know no consistent pressure up front. And you can look at the blitz or the uh, pressure percentage and all that stuff. Pressure percentage is nonsense. The only thing that matters in the NFL is if you get a sack or if you don't. You know pressure is so relative, person by person. You know, it, do you wait until the guy's a yard away? Do you wait until he makes contact before it's a pressure? Do you wait until he beats the tackle that it's a pressure? It's such a subjective grade that uh-huh. there's no accurate way. It's not to, even a real stat, is it? No, it, it, it's no. Just that people like in PFF. We've got our issues with them. They put the stat out, but but they're not the only ones. ESPN and NFL.com do their own next gen stats where they talk about it every week. And you know the Titans are you know one of the top five pressure defenses in the NFL. I mean, does it feel like that to y'all? No. It doesn't feel like that to me at all. It feels like what happens is they uh, have a good first step, beat the tackle, but then the tackle recovers and the quarterback steps up and throws the ball. Like that's what it feels like. And I feel like we never we never bring the quarterback down. Right. Like Jacoby Brissett, we could have brought him down like five times. Russell Wilson and Russell. Yeah, Wilson. Oh, well, yeah, but Russell Wilson's ridiculous. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll give them a pass for that one. But yeah, I don't know. The pressure, the pressure needs to be better. I, I you really can't, you cannot uh, be a decent defense if you're not getting, getting home mm-hmm. to quarterback. Yep. Speaking of quarterbacks, we need to talk about the Titans one. Uh, as we recap the Pittsburgh Steelers game, because he did not exactly have the best game of his career to this point. Uh, Four interceptions, zero touchdowns, very, very rough outing for Marcus Mariota, which is interesting because we had talked in our last episode about, like, had he reached his ceiling as a player yet and and that kind of idea. So let's kind of revisit that with what we learned about him on Thursday night. Like, why was he so bad, do you think? I'll, I'll just ask that question. He's a bust. 
Cut him right now. Yeah. Had enough of him. No, I'm joking. We need, we need Jameis. We should have traded up for Jameis that year. Yes, of course, of course. He's having a fantastic season this year. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, but Marcus has been, he's been kind of not great this season, and this performance was uh, arguably his worst of his entire career. Ever. Um, like, not just it, yeah. NFL career. Yeah, yeah, college and yeah, even high school, even though I don't know anything about his high school career. But he really, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I really don't. Like, yeah. I've never seen Marcus make these kinds of mistakes or, like, these aggressive decisions that aren't panning out. Um, I think I do think some of it is miscommunications with his receivers. They've been happening pretty frequently throughout the year. Uh, and I think in this game, two of them could possibly be attributed to Corey Davis. Uh, one on the in route that Cody freaking Sensabaugh picked off <laughs> um <laughs> that uh Sensabaugh just jumped right in front of Davis and it looked like Davis cut his route short or at least I don't it looked like he didn't finish finish off his route um and then on one of them I'm not sure if it was the third or the fourth one uh Corey Davis was pretty tightly covered and uh, um couldn't get the ball and it was tipped and uh, intercepted so I mean we can and also, I think it was the fourth one. Um, he tried to try to do a quick pass to Delaney Walker, um, and either one of their safeties, I think, just picked the ball right off. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, I don't know if it's the offense, uh, the inept offense, finally catching up to him. Um, but these are the most weapons and the best weapons that Marcus has had. Yeah. So. That is really weird. I don't know if it's a trust issue, if he's not confident in what he's doing, or if he's just making truly bad decisions. But uh, we kind of talked about this, uh, I don't know if it was last episode, but um, that Matt Ryan was a pretty interesting comp for him at this point in his career. And that seemed like a Matt Ryan performance right there. Mm -hmm. uh, one of those meltdown games that you just <laughs> yeah. don't see from those top-tier quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I Although, love let that me Matt Ryan comparison. I think that's spot on for him. Yeah, let like, me just say this, though. I, I saw someone tweet at us uh, at the Titans Size account. Uh, I wonder what the Jets want for Josh McCown. So let's maybe relax a little bit and not <laughs> just trade away our 24-year-old franchise quarterback for a 38-year-old journeyman. But, you know, yeah, Marcus has to be better, but relax. He's our franchise quarterback. Yeah, and I think with the thing about Matt Ryan is he was very mediocre for several years, but he took Atlanta to the playoffs multiple times, and you saw what happened last year when they finally were able to put good things around him. He was the NFL MVP, and it wasn't even close between him and the guy who was in second place. And I think Marcus projects as that same guy. You know, he's not going to be Drew Brees where he's going to throw for 5,000 yards a year, and you can surround him with crap, and he's going to do well. You have to surround him with talent. You have to protect him. He needs a running game. And when he gets that, he's going to take him to the playoffs. And he doesn't have to be Tom Brady where they win the division every single year. Like, he can still be a very good and worthwhile franchise quarterback. Just kind of maybe making the playoffs every other year, every two years, and eventually having an insane year where he goes to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's what Mariota is, I think. Yeah. The weird thing is, like, last year, he really didn't have that much talent around him. And, like, we went 9-7 and seven and almost made the playoffs. And he was fantastic for... Almost the whole season, so I don't know. It, yeah, and, this is and, a curious. Like, curious last year, he had stretches where he was that Matt Ryan last year, or even like 
Cam Newton in his mm-hmm. MVP season where no one could touch the Panthers. Like, Mariota was that in the month of November last year. He was insane. But, like, yeah. Mariota, it's so strange. His highs are very high. But when he has lows, they are really, really low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a Mariota apologist. I'll always be a Mariota. Uh, I mean, I just I think he everything he does well, he does at an exceptionally high level. And when he makes a mistake, I can always explain it away. So take take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt, um, knowing that that's my viewpoint on all this. But last year, Mariota had to deal with second and six. He didn't have to deal with second and 12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It wasn't just a constant loss of yards from the running game on first down when they tried to run it. Because when you look at his uh, play-action stats, he, like, uh, last week, not, not, not the – Steelers game, but the week before he was eight of eight for a hundred plus yards with a touchdown on play action, and you know uh, he, when they can run play action effectively, he can be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But when you've got a running back that you're committed to, like they are with Demarco Murray, who isn't getting yards, then you dig yourself in this hole because you want to be a run first team, but your players and your production say that you shouldn't be a run first team. So when your scheme doesn't fit with your personnel, which is what's going on right now, it puts players in trouble and it makes good players not look as good as they are. So, you know, when Mariota has a bad game, it's also important to remember that, you know, okay, let's talk about his uh, touchdown-interception ratio. It's 8-10 to right now, touchdown-interception, but... Two weeks ago, we saw Rashard Matthews drop an easy 40-yard touchdown Mm -hmm. pass. should have been, I mean, routine. We saw Delaney Walker drop one uh, against the Steelers that I'm not 100% sure, but I think it would have put the Titans ahead. No, it would have been within one score. 23 to 21. That's right. It would have been 23-21. That's right. Um, And then um, we're also not taking into account his four rushing touchdowns that he's had. So, I mean, if you – it, and I know it's like I said, I'm, I'm biased, so this is going to be a biased argument. But if you chalk those easy touchdowns that he should have had up as touchdowns, he's ten and ten with four rushing touchdowns. You know, not only Which that, is but still he, not good though. Like that's bad. It's no, I mean, it's not. But he's never going to throw for thirty touchdowns or, thir- or thirty or forty. Not touchdowns. in this offense, at least. No, because this offense. Like, look how many times he gets them within the five-yard line and they decide to run it a bunch of times until they get into third down where they have to play action. You know, they they want to be su- – they focus so hard on funneling that offense through running backs who, frankly, have not been very good this year that it puts him in these terrible positions and then he'll throw and he'll make these big plays to get them down inside the five and then the running backs will vulture a touchdown or he'll run it in himself or, you know, he'll get a drop like he got with Delaney and then Ryan Suckup comes on. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, he it's not that he's not setting them up for success. It's that he basically missed three games of his prime in the middle of the year with his hamstring injury. He also didn't have his number one wide receiver in there, Corey Davis, who has not been able to, you know, get to that form that we thought he would be. And it just, you know – it's it's just a combination of all these bad things that have happened. And, you know, you can take a lot away from him. But against Baltimore, who's got a really good defense, they uh, 
they march down to win the game at the end. Of, I mean, that he's he's made significant plays when it matters most, and that part of him hasn't changed. It's just on the stat sheet, and when he does something bad, it looks a lot worse than it did last year because he doesn't have those big boom games. And I think it all comes back to the running game. I mean, his play, like I said, his play action numbers are still great, but when you can only run it eight times, only run play action pass eight times a game because your running backs are so bad that nobody's biting, you're in trouble. Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna uh, not attribute. I'm gonna add a little bit to this uh, Marcus Mariota defense. Um, I think we should take into account a little bit. Uh, I know that his weapons uh, are are great, uh, much better than they were uh, previously, at least on paper. But I think we have to take into account that he's thrown a three rookies, uh, Johnny Smith, Corey Davis, and Taiwan Taylor. Uh, and he's also thrown an Eric Decker, who has not been very good this season. Dude, Decker um, sucks. He is, he is bad. He is not good. And I love him. So, like, his playing style when he was in Denver – was like I know. perfect. He's like Philip Supernar right now at receiver. Oh man, that was wow. A <laughs> anyway, I heard it come out of your mouth and hurt you. <laughs> anyway, his weapons haven't been as good as we imagined when uh, once we got into the season. So I mean, Delaney's still awesome, uh, but he's been kind of hurt. So uh, that's something else to take into account. And like you said, the running game is not good. So. I don't know. I really don't know what to make of all this. Um, I do. I think a, a one positive to take away from from the season so far, at least, his completion percentage is actually the best it's ever been in a season so far. So I really? guess that's good. Yeah, it is um, by a point four percentage points from his rookie season, and also his running uh, has been the best it's ever been. Uh, and considering he was coming off um, a broken leg and then a hamstring midseason, uh, the fact that he's been running so well this season is pre- pretty awesome. He's looked like like Oregon Marcus Mariota at times. Especially against the Texans. Oh, yeah. Those two touchdowns? Uh-huh. So nice. Yeah. I, don't remember, I don't remember us playing the Texans this year. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. That was last year. That was That's last year. right. <laughs> so... One last topic about this game before we move on, and, and since it's it's an early week podcast and the Titans played Thursday, we're going to talk a little bit about the rest of the NFL, too. Um, it's important to remember, even after getting blown out, the team that blew them out is maybe the best team in the NFL on paper. I think the Patriots could beat them, but on paper, probably the best team in the NFL. On a short week, in one of the toughest places to play in the NFL at Heinz Field, primetime game, there's a lot of stuff that went into that. And I'm not trying to make excuses because the Titans should have at least competed and made it a close game. Uh, They laid a massive egg. But I don't think you should say your season is over or you're not what you thought you were because you lost to that team in that way. Right? And, And... it's also important to remember that the Titans right now are 6-4, and four, have a very easy schedule coming up, which means that they could go 4-2 and uh, and two in their remaining games, or, or, or yeah, 4-2 and two in their remaining games, and be 10-6. and six. I think I did that math right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah, sounded good to me. I mean, uh, they, but... could, they could theoretically lose to uh the rams who are a very very good football team and uh catastrophically lose to 
like, I don't know, Indy and Indy next week. But, I mean, theoretically, you could have two losses and still have a 10-6 and six record. I, I mean, I saw uh, someone tweeted, like, and I agreed with it very much, uh, that the Titans are probably still going to make the playoffs. Uh, and they're not even going to be the worst team in the playoffs by any stretch of the imagination. Dude, like, uh, if the season I, ended I today, true. I think the uh, the Baltimore Ravens would be in the playoffs. We watched them play up close a couple weeks ago. Like, they're yeah, not good. we beat them pretty handily. Uh, yeah. I think they got a late touchdown to make it closer than it actually was. Yeah, that, that um, game was very one-sided. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I don't know how I can say we're better than the Jaguars, but... I mean, we beat them in week two. Uh, we destroyed them. Uh, I home. know a lot has changed since home. then. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's no reason why we couldn't be able to do that again if it came to that. Um, and also, right now, the matchup would be uh, with the Chiefs. Um, the 4-5 four, uh, four, matchup in the playoffs would be us uh, at Arrowhead, um, a place that we went to last year, uh, and we beat them on that dramatic uh, Ryan Suckup game-winning field goal. Top five. Top five moment in my life that was amazing that was awesome um yeah and i think we're a better team than we were last year so i I think we we could be able to pull that out again if it came to that so we're not in a terrible position we're really not and like you said um this i mean it 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 wouldn't be classified as a trap game but it kind of felt like a trap game uh because pittsburgh was coming off kind of an underwhelming performance against the Colts uh, on the road and they never play well on the road uh, and when they play at home they are just a completely different team and Big Ben is a completely different quarterback uh, and we saw that and their defense is literally a top two unit in the entire NFL so uh, those are some of the silver linings to I guess take away from this game yeah I mean historically it never goes well for a team on a short week on the road I mean it's just such a tough thing to do, and much less go against the team that's the number one seed in the AFC on paper. Um, so when you look at the playoff hunt, there's four teams that really make sense as wild cards. Um, if, if you kind of swap out Tennessee and Jacksonville and use them as the wild card, um, the Baltimore Ravens are right behind them and the Buffalo Bills. Both of them are at 5-5. Five and five. The Ravens have to go through the Steelers, and first of all, I, I don't – I don't necessarily think they'll beat the Browns and Bengals handily. Um, I don't. Oh, they're losing to the Browns. Easy. Yeah, I was exactly. Who is this? Like, uh, the Ravens. The Ravens. Oh, I thought you were talking about Jacksonville. I was like, they already played the Browns, but no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Should have um, lost. But they, lost should, they should have. But the Jacksonville should have lost to Jag- or to the Browns. But anyway, we'll get over that bitterness. Um, uh, the the Ravens. I don't, I don't see the big difference between them and Cincinnati either way. Um, we, we just played both of them back-to-back, and it didn't really feel different. So um, I, don't, I don't know that they'll make it. The Bills still have to play the Dolphins, who are hit and miss, and the Jets, who are real hit and miss, and the Patriots, you know, to get there. They've only got five. They're only five and five. Um, and, and then the other team after that that I could see really making a push is the Chargers, but they're four and six. Mm-hmm. I mean – the Raiders could, I guess, but and they're also four and six. But the Titans have a two-game lead on every team in the AFC wildcard race except for the Ravens and the Bills. And if the Bills have kind of packed it in and decided that they don't want to start Tayrod, or, uh, Tyrod Taylor, which they may put him back on the bench and put Nathan Peterman <laughs> again. They did it once for no reason. They may do it twice. Um, 
So I, I don't know that they won't do that. So if you've got to pick between, you know, the Nathan Peterman Bills and the Joe Flacco Ravens, you know, I'm not really scared of both of those teams making it in. And both of them would have to make it in to take the Titans out. So, you know, I, I don't know. And, and this could all be a moot point because if Jacksonville and Tennessee finish, you know, the next five games with the same record and then play in Tennessee for the AFC South title, either way, it'll probably end up with one of them in as the three seed or the four seed, mm-hmm. probably three seed, and the other one is the five seed. So, I mean, at that point, they're just arguing for seeding based on how all of it looks. But, it, you know, there's a good chance that we see uh, the Jaguars at the end of the year, and it really means seeding more than it means is one of us going to make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would agree with that. I don't know how anyone can look at the playoff picture right now in the AFC and just say that the Titans aren't going to make the playoffs because the Bills are done. They've gotten blown out three straight weeks, uh, and they just started Nate Peterman at quarterback. I, I don't. They're tanking the season. Uh, they well, they were trying to tank the season, but that's another discussion. I could spend a whole podcast on that one. Um, and I, the only team I see that can actually. Uh, like usurp the Titans. I mean, maybe the Ra- the Ravens might sneak in. Um, and it, it, like you said, it was the Chargers because the Chargers are actually good. Uh, they just love giving games away, which in in incredible fashions, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but they're actually a good team. But like you said, they're four and six. Uh, they'd have to go. They'd have to win their remaining six games uh, because I still think the Titans are going four and two over this next stretch, um, or at least. I mean, it, at the very least, they're going three and three, um, and I don't think the Chargers are going six and zero or five and one over there, over these last six games. Um, the Bills are done. The Dolphins are not good. The Jets are the Jets. The Bengals aren't aren't good either. Um, the Texans don't have a quarterback, and the Raiders are. Oh my God, they are the most regression hit team I've ever seen in my life. And they're so we, good on paper, but like I know, I know. Yeah, no, but we told you, we told you this was happening. They were a regression candidate, just like the Dolphins, just like the Broncos, um, and we're kind of seeing it come to fruition here, um, which uh, which is good. The numbers sometimes uh, sometimes they matter, um, but I definitely think the Titans are going to make the playoffs. What happens in the playoffs, I don't know, but anything can happen. You saw what happened with jo- when Joe Flacco made it a couple years ago, turned into turn turned into Joe Montana for for a four game stretch. So. Right. Anything happen there? Yeah, I mean, I'm first of all. Let me say, everybody, you know, knock on wood in your houses or wherever you are right now. I'm super superstitious, so this whole like I feel like we're gonna make the playoff thing. I, I'm I'm gonna do my best not to say that. Um, just just getting that out there. Um, the Chargers, like I said, they're the team that I feel like is hot right now that could go on a streak until you look at their schedule. They've got to play the Cowboys mm-hmm. in in Dallas. Then they get the Browns, cool. They have to play the Redskins, they have to play the Chiefs, then the Jets and Raiders. That's a pretty tough schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. let's say they finish 3-3 three and three and beat the Browns, Jets, and either the Chiefs or the Raiders. Well, then they end up the season at 7-9. and nine. That's not going to do it. I mean, they to catch up with the Titans, you know, realistically, they have to go 6-0 and oh or 5-1, and one, and... You know, are they going to beat the Cowboys, Chiefs, Jets, and Raiders? You know, are they going to beat and the Redskins? I mean, that's five teams that are, you know, either 
at former division winners last year or who can hit their stride at any moment. So I, I don't know. If they get Tyron Smith back and they have to play the Cowboys next week, I'm not sure they win that game. And then if you end up at 4-7, and seven, it's it's really you've got to depend on the kindness of strangers there to get in the playoffs. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't see a clear team that can really, you know, steal that spot from the Titans, but you never do. I mean, you never see the team, you know, nobody saw the Giants the year they went and won the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Nobody saw the uh, Baltimore Ravens like we were talking about. So, you know, it, you just got to be real cautious about all that. But right now the Titans look like they're in a good position. And if they take care of business, if they play like they did for, uh, you know, before the Steelers game, those last four weeks, instead of like they've played historically or like they played this week, then they've got a really good chance. Yeah, that's that's the important part. The Titans control their own destiny. So, I mean, we saw what happened last year when, when that happened. But, I mean, that's important in the NFL <laughs> to just be be able to, to control your own destiny and have it all in your hands uh, just by, uh, by the games that are laid out in front of you. So... Could yeah. be worse. Could be worse, guys. So when you look at uh, playoff pictures, you have your teams like the Steelers, the Patriots, the Eagles, the Panthers, the Saints, the Rams. You know those guys are legitimate teams. But you have fringe teams with unique situations where you don't really know whether or not they're actually going to contend for the rest of the season. So we're going to play a game that I've seen played somewhere before. I don't know. It's called Contender or Pretender. So, I, I, yeah, I'm going to bring up a, a, t- a fringe team. And you, Love guys, it. you guys are going to tell me whether they are a contender or a pretender. And for the folks listening at home, unlike when people play this game on television, this is not pre-scripted. So we're not just going to debate each other for the sake of debate. If we agree, we're going to agree. So... Yeah, I had no idea this was coming. So. Yeah, that's true. We This is for the moment to us too, guys. All right, we're going to start off in the NFC with a team that Uh-oh. has suffered a lot of injuries lately, the Seattle Seahawks. I, uh, I think they're a contender, man. I know they've lost Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor, um, but they, these aren't the same Seahawks that uh, we've seen over the past couple years. This is a pass-first uh, Seahawks offense uh, that at m- much of the season has looked incredibly explosive. Um, their defense has been pretty good. Um, I know those are two huge losses, uh, but I still think they can get it done at least a somewhat with somewhat of a patchwork uh, defensive lineup. Um, they've won shootouts um, over the course of the season. They won that game against the Texans, um, and they put up 46 points on the Colts. You saw them uh, when we played them. Uh, we control them for for most of the game, but they really got going um, through the air over the over the latter latter half of that game. So I think their offense is going to keep them in a lot of games, and I think they can make a a run in the postseason. I'm not sure if they're entirely. I don't I don't think they're going to make the Super Bowl just because um, that second cornerback, that first cornerback spot is going to get exposed a little bit. But I think they could win a couple games in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely contender. I mean. If you can, if you've got a good quarterback and can rush the passer, then you can get in the playoffs. I mean, the NFL is not so loaded that if you've got a, pl- a good player at the most important position in the uh, sport and a team that's tenth in the league in sacks, that you'll get kept out. I mean, especially in that division. I, I mean, who you know, 
they've got they've got to stay. I mean, they've got to get a wild card because they play against the Rams, but they also get the benefit of playing against the 49ers and Cardinals, who, like we said, aren't great teams. So, I mean, I, I, I I'm in you know they've got Pete Carroll, who's you know the mad scientist, and they've got you know fourteen defensive linemen that end up with four or five sacks a year, and they've got. <laughs> corners that they pull out of no I mean they'll they'll make Shaq Griffin into one of the best corners in the NFL just because that's what they do and then we'll all remember Earl Thomas is a defensive player of the year candidate when he gets three more interceptions over the next few weeks I mean they've got so much talent that even if they have a few superstars get hurt they've still got guys like you know Earl Thomas Bobby Wagner you know all you know Russell Wilson all those guys you know if you can just look away from the offensive line for a little bit then you know, you'll see a lot of talent. Uh-huh. So the next team would not be in the playoffs if the season were to end today. But because of the roster that they have and the fact that they are really only a couple of games out of being in, um, the Atlanta Falcons, what do you think? I knew you were going <laughs> to you were gonna pick them. Um, I'm not sure about them. Uh, they've had some pretty bad losses this season, um, and they've just—I mean, their offense hasn't been as bad as it seems. Um, I think I we're think just so like, used to what we saw last year, which was one of the best I, ever. Yeah, I mean that was absolutely ridiculous. Their touchdown rate was through the roof. Everyone knew that was not going to happen again. Um, but I mean, they're still moving the ball pretty well. They're just not scoring touchdowns, um, and they're settling for field goals um, or at least committing turnovers in the red zone, which is. Not good, um, but you saw last week they destroyed the Cowboys. Even though the Cowboys look like look like a minor league team right now over the past two weeks, um, but they can get it going. Uh, their offense is still still good. Uh, their defense is better than it was last year, in my opinion. Um, they've they've been pretty solid. Um, I'm not. I don't know if they can make the playoffs though. Uh, it is. It's going to be tough. Um, Looking over their schedule, it, it, it's not going to be easy at all. Uh, they play at Seattle against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's terrible, but regardless. Uh, then they play the Vikings. They play the Saints. They play the Bucks again, the Saints and the Panthers. I mean, that is really, really tough. Those are, those are, those are playoff teams right now, um, and they have to play those teams um, five times. So that's, um, that's a, a bit of a stretch. Uh, if you ask me, I'm not sure they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, uh, the, the schedule's tough, but I'm going to say they're a contender uh, because I think they'll. I think Julio will have kind of a you know come to Jesus meeting with the coaches like uh, AJ <laughs> Green seems to have done with Cincinnati, where he said, you know, I don't know if you remember, but I'm one of the best wide receivers in football. So if you decide to throw it my way anytime soon, we'll start winning more games. And once they do that, I feel like this offense will run, seem to run a lot more smoothly if Julio can stay healthy. You know, mm-hmm. they've got good running backs, give or take a concussion every now and then. Uh, that you know, they they've got a decent offensive line. They've got a good quarterback. If Beasley can get back to where he was last year, and if Adrian Claiborne cannot just be a fluke that you know last week's not just a fluke, he can be a decently performing, you know, pass rusher. And then you get something out of Tack McKinley. Now you've got three guys who can rush the passer that you can roll a lot like the way Denver did. And you've got decent corners. You know, they've got a decent enough defense that 
if they remember to throw to Julio Jones, you know, that 6'4 monster who runs like a 4-4, you know, if they decide to throw it to him every now and then, they'll win some games. So, you know, right now, uh, I, I, won't, I won't talk about any other teams. We'll, we'll see if we get there. But I think some teams could collapse, <laughs> and I think there could be a spot in the playoffs for them. Hmm. Fair. Okay. Um, th- this is one of the more interesting teams in the NFL to me. They remind me a little bit of like the old Packers, and that there's nothing really exciting on this team, yet they keep winning and and winning by large margins. I'm gonna stay in the NFC. We may do an AFC team eventually, but the AFC is kind of bad. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings. If the season ended today, they would be the number two seed with the first round bye. Do you think they're going to be able to keep up that momentum that they have going? Uh, yes, because their defense is outstanding. Uh, and their offensive weapons are seriously very good. Um, their pass catching core, uh, and even their running backs. Uh, I mean, Latavius Murray isn't anything to to write home about, really. But uh, Jarek McKinnon's a really, really nice uh, two way player out of the backfield. And just having Stephen Diggs, Adam the Alan. Adam Thielen looks like a top ten receiver right now, uh, and Kyle Rudolph's a, a really solid uh, tight end. And they've gotten their offensive line issues completely fixed. Their offensive line unit is working, is um, gelling very well uh, in their first season together. Uh, And the defense is just outstanding. They've got a bunch of pass rushers who are just ballers on defense. Everson Griffin's having like a defensive player of the year season. Anthony Barr's good. Uh, Daniil Hunter's a really good player. Um, Yeah, no, I I think this team has it all. It, it It seems ridiculous because... Case Keenum's their quarterback, but he's doing just enough to, uh, and feeding their guys enough and not really turning the ball over all that much um, in order to keep them in games and keep them winning games. Uh, and they're they're winning by by a good, good amount of points. So I, th- I think they're definitely contenders. I think they could reach the Super Bowl, honestly. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely contenders to me. I mean, I, I agree. They could easily reach the Super Bowl. Um, the old rule of thumb is you want to have a playmaker on every level of the defense. So that's line, linebackers, and defensive backs. They have two at every level. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the defensive line, they've got Griffin and Hunter, like we talked about. At linebacker, they've got Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks. It, and yeah. at a defensive back, they have Xavier Rhodes and uh, Harrison Smith. You know, yeah. uh, that, that's like – that's an amazing level of t- – I mean, you don't see that kind of talent outside of Seattle's defense over the past few years. I mean, they're, they're not the legion of boom in that they don't have one specific unit that's so dominant that they earn their own nickname. But that whole defense, you know, the whole purple people eater kind of thing that they could go back to, I mean, they're just – I mean, just outstanding on defense. Offense, they scare me. Thielen's great. Diggs looks like he's not Diggs anymore. I mean, yeah, sums up with him. Yes, I don't know. If he, I know he had, I think, a groin injury early in the season. He's mm-hmm. Yeah, it was groin. But it, he doesn't, you know, if you just look on paper, he looks fine. But when you watch him, it's not the same guy. Um, Rudolph looks better than he usually than he has in a while, which is great for him. Um, Thielen, like we said, is a stud. I mean, it, today he had two or three catches where, you know, he would just, you know, shake and bake and, you know, just cook defenders. So, He's, he's got 14 catches of 20 or more yards looking at this now. Um, Out of the slot. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, he's 
he is remarkable, and nobody will talk about him this year. But you'll hear about him next year in fantasy when people are telling you to pick him up and that he's he really is <laughs> that fourth-round pick you want to spend. But I'm telling you right now, he's a really good player. And if you don't watch him now, you might miss out because sometimes receivers don't repeat like this. So watch him if you can. I mean, I remember it, it just – just watch him if you can. They miss Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is somebody yeah. – if they had healthy and with this offense the way it's going now – I don't care if you're starting Keenum, Bradford, Bridgewater, whoever at quarterback, they would have been Super Bowl contenders, if not Super Bowl favorites from the NFC. So, you know, yeah. I, I have a hard time saying they're anything but contenders. If you're in the shoes of Mike Zimmer, uh, I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater fan. I, I think he had a lot of potential prior to his injury, and he probably still does. Um, but you gotta go with Case Keenum. This is a Dak Prescott, Tony mm-hmm. Romo situation. Yeah, uh, I would stick with Keenum also. Uh, it kind of reminds me of um, Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. Mm. Um, a few years ago with the Niners, they made the switch and they made the Super Bowl. Um, but I mean, Ke- Keenum's fine, man. He's not doing anything wrong. He's not holding you back. Uh, he's doing his job. Um, and it's not like Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I love Teddy Bridgewater. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like he's this dynamic, uh, game changer, dynamic quarter. Yeah. yeah, like Colin Kaepernick was during that season. Teddy Teddy Bridgewater is still one of those interme- really accurate intermediate guys um, that can spread the ball everywhere, but it isn't going to put up huge stats or change anything um, for defense specifically. So, um, I think you stick with Case Keenum. I agree. Yeah, Keenum, I mean, I don't know if it's because I watched him on All or Nothing. I don't know what it is. But when I watch, I mean, when I watch Keenum play, like, I'm all about it. I mean, if for whatever reason the Vikings decide to keep Bradford and Teddy Bridgewater next year and cut Keenum, which I I definitely wouldn't do, um, I I hope that I think aren't all three of those guys free agents after this year? Yeah, but surely they'll pick between two of them, right? Like, surely they'll get one of them right after this. I mean, I would imagine if I were them, the I don't first know that you could afford all three because if Keenum keeps this up, he's going to get a contract to go be a starter somewhere or like, high end backup. It's okay. Imagine this scenario. I mean, like, let's say they don't, they could get two third round comps for quarterbacks based on the contract they would get if they got, uh, Sam Bradford and Keenum left. Like I, I mean, I'm not 100 percent sure how the comp pick system works out, but that would be crazy. I think it's something like money plus uh, expected snap count or lost snap count or something like that. Anyway, we're we're getting off the topic. My point is, <laughs> I, I think I think uh, Keenum is a really fun quarterback, and he's not you know he's not Drew Brees. He's not an upper echelon guy, but he's in that middle area where where Fitzpatrick was for a while, where he's a great backup and he'll do so well when he's in that you'll think you can depend on him. And then if you sign him long-term to be your be your starter, you'll regret it. So he's kind of that perfect backup as long as you know you have a starter in front of him. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of awesome that Keenum's killing it right now because, I mean, if you watched him in college, he was like the funnest, the funnest uh, quarterback in college. He was breaking records left and right at Houston. 
Um, and then it took him a while. Like he bounced around the league a little bit, but now he's finally found a good helm. So I'm happy for him, man. I ho- I hope that I hope they keep him in and he he keeps rolling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have time to for uh, one more team, and I'm struggling to decide who we talk about because in the AFC, your wild card teams, <laughs> you have like Baltimore, the, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Raiders, the Chargers. So I'll, we'll we'll close with that. Um, assuming that the top, <laughs> assuming that the top five teams in the AFC playoffs are going to be Pittsburgh, New England, Tennessee, Kansas City, and Jacksonville, who fills that sixth spot? Oh my goodness! I think it's the Chargers, man. We keep talking about them. I actually think it's them. I don't. All these other teams have major flaws, uh, and when the Chargers are on, they look like they look like a top. A top five, top ten really good. team in this like league. Two, yeah. two Pro Bowl pass rushers, a mm-hmm. Pro Bowl quarterback, a Pro Bowl running back. You've got Keenan Allen at receiver, uh, Hunter Henry emerging at tight end. Mm-hmm. A decent offensive line. The only thing I really don't like about that team is their offensive coordinator. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know who you're talking about. Just... <laughs> complete blank in my in my memory space but, i mean i think you probably should look at him if, if he's i mean with how well they're doing they should look at him as yeah a- yeah i agree i feel like my uh, malarkey has a deep <laughs> hatred for ken was in hunt oh Man, i mean synonymous. i mean i think say so. i think they're buddies because he brought him in and malarkey kind of <laughs> stole his job Said, I'm just going to hold this for a while, buddy. Then I'll join you wherever you go. And then it turns out he's the next head coach. Dude, um, you know Ken Wisenhunt's getting another coaching job. Head oh, coaching. it's going to happen. Absolutely. And it's going to be, a, be a garbage heap yet again. Yep. Oh, is it going to be the Colts? Oh, please. Dude. The Colts. The Colts. After Pagano? He, he, convinces, uh, he convinces ownership that they need an offensive-minded coach to groom Andrew Luck and then Andrew Luck immediately yeah. in because they go five-man protections and just leave him. Uh, and he'll wolves. sign Potosi, and Potosi will be their right tackle, and he'll leave him one-on-one. Oh, yeah. Half yeah. of Wizen Hunt's players are still active and free agents, like McCluster, <laughs> Antonio Andrews, Zach Mettenberger. And that's that's exactly what he'll say. He'll say, Jer- I can bring Jeremiah Potosi. He'll talk about how he can bring his whole team and his system here, and he'll bring in McCluster and all that. Um, I, okay, so I'm kind of struggling to find a team that I like because the Bills are, you know, cheating the NFL and tanking. But if they weren't, they have a decent schedule. They play mm-hmm. Dolphins twice and the Colts. That gets them to eight wins. The problem is they also play the Patriots twice. The Patriots yeah. play. Uh, the Dolphins twice and the Bills twice. So you can go ahead and chalk them up for two losses each, and that puts the Dolphins at eight losses and the Bills at seven losses. I don't, I don't know that, that you know if they, so. Then the Bills would have to beat the Chiefs uh, and sweep the Dolphins, which I'm not sure they can do. So I mean, if if they if the Dolphins and Bills split, then they're essentially both at 500 or lower based on the number of times they have to play the Patriots. I mean, I... I it might I, be the Raiders, dude. Well, I looked at the Raiders, but... Okay, oh, so no, they, they got, have a tough schedule, too. They got yeah, killed by New England today. Yeah, yeah like, they looked horrible. 
Their schedule is, and it was a lot worse than you know, thirty-three to eight is kind. Hot take: I mean, Latavius Murray is better than Marshawn Lynch. Oh yeah, I'm with you. Um, that is much of a hot take, but, no, but like not even they, the they it, let's say they win their next two, which is likely. Then okay, so they get uh, get to six and six. We're talking about the Raiders. Uh, then the Raiders have to play at the Chiefs oh. versus the Cowboys at the Eagles and at the Chargers. That's a I mean, they may win yeah, no. last games, then then they end up at seven and nine. I mean, you know, you end up with a lot of teams that don't really have a chance to do anything. So mm-hmm. it, it's the point where you could easily see this uh six wild card spot go into the Bills who end up with a seven and nine record and who didn't want to be there in the first place. <laughs> I, I mean, think it's the Ravens, man. They have an easy schedule and they play four of their last five at home. Like that's that's pretty well. No, hold on. I think Five this year, like, for all these people who, for years, have said that there needs to be more teams in the playoffs, like this year oh, no. is the biggest argument we've ever had against that. Okay, but what about this? What if you say we're going to have uh, six teams from each division and then two extra wild card spots that go to the best division. records that don't get in? So then, now you're talking about. From the NFC, you have the Eagles, Vikings, Saints, and Rams, plus the Panthers and the Seahawks. So those are your, you know, automatic end teams. So then your next teams is you also get the Lions and the Falcons in the playoffs. That, that's not but a how bad. Do you, uh, how do you do the tiebreaker? Point differential? Uh, the, I mean, I guess you would just give those two both the seven seed, the theoretical seven seed in each conference, and if you know, if they're both from the same thing, you can use their like conference record. If they're from different, then you can use point differential. Or you can just do a coin flip. I mean, if they do a <laughs> coin flip for draft picks, why can't they do a coin yeah, flip? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so it, it could be a whole thing. Like they could have, you know, right after they the could season, televise it, make a lot of yeah, money from it. It could be a Monday night thing that they use to broadcast. You know, they could talk about their whole season summed up all for a coin flip, you know. So, <laughs> uh, you know. They can do whatever, but you can get more to you know because there always is one team that it's just a shame that they don't get in. You know the team, but there's, and that's not going to be the case this year in the AFC. No, no AFC, but in the NFC, five. yeah, the AFC barely has five teams worth the spot. In, in the NFC, if the season ended today, the Lions, Falcons, and Cowboys would all be on the outside looking in. Those are two, three quality football teams, all of whom are probably better than the Chargers, Raiders, and Bills. Yeah, that sucks for the NFL, man. <laughs> Those are big markets. Oh yeah, I mean, that. Uh, but I mean, who would you kick out? I mean, I guess you kick out Minnesota if you're like trying to talk from a specific market standpoint. The Carolina and Minnesota to put in Carolina, yeah, Atlanta and Dallas, I guess. But I, I don't know. I mean, there's several good teams that if they're in the NFC, that if they were playing in the AFC, they would have a spot. But Lucky for us, we play in the AFC. <laughs> yeah. So true. to conclude this episode, the Titans will be in the playoffs with a bunch of mediocre teams until they get curb stomped again by the Steelers. Right? Yeah. Or the Patriots. Or the Patriots. Uh, I think, I don't know. They could beat anybody at Nissan Stadium on the road is another story. 9-1 and one in their last 10 home games at Nissan Stadium. But uh, that is the end of this episode. 
<laughs> we will be back later in the week after we enjoy Thanksgiving and uh, all that good stuff to preview the Titans' upcoming showdown in Indianapolis with Jacoby Brissett and his uh, Indianapolis Colts. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be some can't-miss stuff. We're going to break down every important matchup for that game because I'm sure there's going to be plenty of them. Uh, until then, thank you for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. From Matias Wadner, Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we will talk to everybody next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.